Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. All right, what are we talking about today? Habits. Wow, awesome. Y'all did really well. If you weren't here uh, last week, we started a brand new series called Habits. And uh, actually, I read this statement in a book. When I first read it, I I disagreed with it. And and basically, the statement was this, is that no one ruins their life all at once. It's, It's not like one really, really stupid, bad decision. And when I first read that, I thought, man, I know plenty of people who Blew it with one really stupid, bad decision. Hello? But then when you process that a little bit, you know what? Most of us ruin our lives one small decision. One bad step, one bad habit, one day at a time. Over a period of of days and, and weeks and months and sometimes years. But we usually summarize a lifetime of bad decisions in one sentence. For example, somebody might say, I cheated on my wife. She left me and it ended in divorce. I had an affair on my, on my husband. I cheated on him. He walked out and it ended in divorce. But if you go back and really look at that marriage, there were signs in that marriage long before that one affair. Y'all with me? I mean, there there were already things that were going tragically wrong way before then, but we summarize it with that one sentence. Somebody might say, well, I can't believe he died at the age of 50 of a heart attack. He was so young. It's a one-statement summary, but a lifetime of unhealthy decisions. And so when you look at that person, you think, well, you know what? Honestly, I don't know how they lived to be as old as they were, Right? I mean, they, they live rough, they live wild, they live crazy, they never paid any attention to their diet. I mean, they never had a day of exercise. They did every unhealthy thing that you can think of, and they died at age 50, very young, but it's really not that surprising when you break it down. Somebody might say, I can't believe he got fired. I can't believe she got fired. And sometimes it does happen. There's that one mistake. There's that one bad choice that they made. But most of the time, if you go back, it was a series of really stupid things. Maybe, maybe a time of where there was a bad attitude that developed over a period of time that led to the final decision that you're fired. We tend to summarize a season of bad decisions with one sentence, but it's rarely ever just one event. For example, in the Bible, Judges chapter 16 summarizes what was quite literally thousands, thousands, literally thousands of bad steps for a guy that's probably, even if you're unchurched, even like it's your first day in church, you've probably heard of Samson, right? I mean, like he was the guy that, that God gave the special gift of strength to. In fact, there have been football coaches that have used him as an example to to inspire their teams. This guy who was stronger than anybody else with so much potential that literally was given to him by God. 
And in this one statement that gives us a little bit of an insight to one day he made a bad, bad decision. For example, Judges 16, 1. One day, one day Samson went to Gaza. One, one day. One day he, he made a decision. One sentence that summarizes what would be the beginning Literally of the end of his life. Just so you know, Gaza's about 25 miles from Samson's hometown of Zora. And uh, just so you know, for those of you that probably aren't into this kind of thing, it was the Philistine headquarters where Samson was public enemy number one. Now, it said one day he decided to go. It didn't say that one day he decided that he would take an army and go. It didn't say that, right? It just said one day he decided that he would go into enemy territory, 25 miles on his own. He would not just wander into, but purposely go into enemy territory where he is public enemy number one. I mean, it just doesn't sound like that's a very wise decision, right? I mean, who does something that stupid? I know what you're probably thinking. You're probably thinking, I, I, I know who does something like that. It's a hero. I mean, a hero, a guy that, you know, is, knows that he's strong, knows that he's bad to the bone, that would attempt to go in all on his own and win a war. Well, there was going to be a war. There was going to be a battle. But it had nothing to do with him saving his people. Let's finish the verse. One day, Samson went to Gaza, where he saw a prostitute. That's still not the end, though, right? He just saw her. It's not the end. He went in to spend the night with her. So it was a decision that was based on lust. And lust would prove to be his greatest battle, his weakness for the opposite sex. You know how many steps it takes to go 25 miles? Well, I Googled it. And I don't know who figures up these kind of things, and I know there's some mathematician that's got all that stuff down, but what I read on Google, and it's got to be right, is 56,250 steps. Man, that's a lot of steps. See, he didn't ruin his life all at one time. He didn't didn't ruin his life with just simply one bad decision. He literally took 56,250 steps in a direction that would begin his life spiraling out of control. See, most of us don't wreck our life all at once. It begins with a series of Bad decisions, bad steps, bad habits. One day at a time. And that's why we're talking about habits. So I thought I would start off the message with the invitation. What do y'all say? I mean, can't we like just cut off all the fluff in the middle and just go ahead and get to the heart of it? Because like you know what's coming, right? You're in church. And, and those of you that don't know, we always beat you up at the end, just so you know. 
I'm just kidding. Hopefully we give you hope. We're not here to beat you up. But I'm just saying. So let me ask you this question. What steps are you taking right now that you need to stop and to reconsider? See, that's like an invitation kind of thing, right? But I'm weird. What steps are you taking right now that really you know you're moving in a direction that honestly is taking you to a place where your life, you know your life is spiraling out of control? What direction are you going in that you need to turn away from? James chapter 1 verse 21 says this. It says, therefore, it says, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. And I just think somewhere in that there's so much humility. that it's, it's, it's a life that's gotten out of control, but yet there's still the word of God that's been planted in this person. And the word of God that's planted in this person can give you hope. Which can save you. He said, so get rid of all. So that's easy. So the invitation should be really simple. So here's my answer. If you're moving in a direction and you don't like the direction that you're going in, if you've got some really bad habits, like really, really bad habits that you know are causing your life to spiral out of control, here's the answer. Stop it. Let's get to the house, what do you say? Stop it. That's it loud enough. I gotta do that preacher thing. I don't even know how to do that. But anyway, stop it. That's just what you're supposed to do. There's supposed to be something that goes with that. I don't know what it is. I'm just a beginner preacher guy. But see, that's the problem, right? Because you you already know that you can't. Probably you've tried. And it, and you just can't stop it on your own. You already Know that. So how do you get rid of or stop that bad habit? Well, before we talk about the how, I think we should talk about the what. Before we talk about the how, how to get rid of, how to stop those bad habits, I think that we need to just stop right now and talk about the what. See, here's the thing. We have to define it. You can't defeat what you cannot define. Are you with me? Let me say it one more time. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. What is that thing that is causing your life to spiral out of control? And you're, some of you are thinking, are you kidding me, dude? One? I got like a hundred. Most of us probably struggle, but let's just start with one. Do you struggle with a bad attitude, a complaining heart? If you're a Baptist, a gossiping tongue? All the Baptists must have been in the early crowd. You know what? It, it could be an eating issue. You know what? I thought, as I processed this over the last few weeks, and even this morning, you know, we, we kind of laugh, don't we? Maybe you're eating too much. Maybe you're eating too much sugar. But there's more to it than that. They're, they're literally, they're eating disorders. There are people that, that binge and purge. There are people that gorge themselves. And it's a, it's a private issue. 
Maybe it's a technology addiction. Maybe you're addicted to video games. Maybe it's your phone. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's Ben's watching too much Hulu, unless you're watching Frasier, and they're like, that's okay. <laughs> Frasier was given to us by God. Well, that's kind of true. Like, he created, anyway, I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe it's pornography. Ugh. Boy, that's awful. We don't want to mention that. Maybe it is, though. Maybe you struggle with pornography. Maybe the thing of it is, is you've tried to stop. And you know what? You're, you're so overwhelmed with guilt, and you're overwhelmed with shame, and it's just a whole bunch of nastiness. And you, you know what? You said every single time you looked at it, you said, I am never, I'm never going to do that again. I will never go to that website. I will never. But you do. And you struggle. Maybe it's a substance. Maybe you're addicted to an illegal substance. Maybe it's prescription medication. I, I would say, I don't know, I don't do the numbers on those kind of things, but I would almost say here that we probably deal with as many people that struggle on prescription medication as we do people that are on illegal substances. And it's crazy. One of the hard things about dealing with somebody that's on a medication, especially that's prescribed by a doctor, is that that's what they always come back with. They'll, they'll say, yeah, but... But a doctor's, I've got a prescription right here. A doctor's, give me this. I need to be on this medication. I remember looking at a lady one time and I said, you're drunk. You're drunk. She said, you're saying I'm an addict. Yep. That's pretty much it. Mm. Whatever it is, you need to name it. Was I slow enough there that I give you enough time to feel guilty? <laughs> Just saying. Have you ever noticed, and this was something that I thought about as I was processing this whole message series. Have you ever just thought about why, why it seems like that good habits are so hard to start and bad habits are so hard to stop? Isn't that like crazy? So if you could flip that, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? That, that bad habits would be really, really easy, you know, to get over and but it's not that way. A good habit in the beginning is tough, but then there's a payoff. There's the payoff. And there's a win in the future if you stick to it, and the payoff is always worth it. For example, let's say that you decided that you're going to go to the gym and you're going to start eating really healthy. Well, that's like two really big, <laughs> big habits that you want to start out at the same time, right? And it's tough. And let's say that, you know what, you, it's tough in the beginning and you get up early. Maybe that's your thing. You get up early and you go to the gym and then you start eating and you have to plan. Hello, is everybody that's trying to eat right now? And it stinks, doesn't it? It just stinks. Why can't it just come in a box or something? I mean, it, you know, you have to plan and you got to do food prep and it takes time. It's just nasty. But let's say you do, you start. And then maybe like four months later, you wake up one morning and you get on the scales and you go, I've lost 20 pounds. This is awesome. And you look in the mirror and you think, and I've got the beginning stages of buns of steel. This is, that wouldn't be me, but that would be somebody that actually has a rear end. I'm not that guy. I can't believe I said that. It's church for Pete's sake. Anyway, y'all, are y'all following along? It's difficult at first, but then there's a payoff somewhere out there in the future. And the payoff is just worth the effort. 
Maybe you decide that you're going to get connected to church. And let's just be honest, it's hard at first. It's brand new. And you've never really been connected at church. And I thought about that as I wrote this. I thought half our people have said, I've never even been to church. (laughs) This is my, I'm like, I'm just kicking the tires of Christianity. I'm just brand spanking new in church. And yeah, the whole thing of like showing up every week is tough for me. Much less, and I'm talking about getting connected in a church, not just showing up on a Sunday. And it's tough. And maybe initially you don't see the payoff. All you can see is all the things that you're giving up, like sleeping late. I don't know what it is about Sundays, but Sunday is obviously somewhere it was written, is today, of all the days in the week, it's the day to sleep late. Somewhere it's just been written. I don't know where it is. And, I, and I've asked people, I said, well, what, what do you do on Saturday? Oh, I can't sleep late on Saturday. Man, I got to get up, I got to cut the grass, I got to cut wood. I don't, I don't know. They name all these things. They have to, I have to get up early, way before the, 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 the sun comes up. I'm up early, and I've got all these things to do. And then Sunday, Sunday is my family day. I go, what? Yeah. Like you, don't, like, you don't take your wife out on Friday night? No, no. We're too busy. But Sunday, we go to the mountains and pick apples. And it's tough, right? Because you literally are giving up things. And initially you think, ah, I don't know. But then you stick with it. And all of a sudden you wake up one morning and you go, you know what? I didn't know that I could actually have a relationship with God. Like, I mean, I've known people, maybe you have people in your family and those people are really, really close to God, but you've always seen them as being spiritual. Maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your a grandparent, and you've gone, oh, man, they're so godly, and you've looked at them, and you always wish you could be like them, and then suddenly you wake up one morning, and you go, oh, my gosh. I, I mean, actually, I have a relationship with God. I, I mean, he, I hear him when he speaks to me. I'm, <clears throat> I'm in his word. I mean, I, at church, I'm starting to raise my hands. I'd raise this one, but my shoulder's killing me. So anyway, you know, but you got a, you got a hand that you can raise. And you're going, I, now, I don't even know why we're doing it. You know, I'm just doing it. I clap. Oh, my gosh. And I actually have the kind of friends now that I never dreamed that I could have. I've had friends in the past, but when trouble came, they walked out. And I've got, I've got people now that I do life with at the deepest level possible, and I can be gut level honest with them about my junk. I can tell them what my junk is, and I can tell them that I, I, I do look at porn, and I struggle, and I, and I am abusing some substances, and I am struggling with eating. I'm struggling, and I can share that with a group of people, and rather than beating me over the head with the Bible, can walk along beside me and encourage me. I didn't know this was possible. I didn't know it was possible. And then I, I, I got gifts. I got spiritual gifts. I didn't know I had spiritual gifts. I thought I was a loser Christian. And I thought God gave them all. He gave gifts to everybody else, but I thought I was left out. And now I know I have gifts, and God's using me. But it didn't happen in two weeks. It took some time, and it's difficult at first, but the payoff's in the future. Bad habits, just, it just doesn't work that way. Sin can actually be fun. How many would you agree? I know, you're in church, you're scared to raise your hand. Well, let me just say, if, if you don't think it's fun, you're not doing it right. <laughs> and you, th- you think, you, say, you can't say that. Well, let me tell you what Hebrews 11 says. 
By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the other people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. See, that's right there in the Bible. There is pleasure in sin. Can't somebody just say, amen? You just make you feel better. But they're fleeting pleasures. It's fun in the beginning, but then it messes you up in the end. For example, let's say that you're the customer of the year at Pizza Inn. I'm just saying there's a lot of fun in that. And I, I mean, I love pizza. I think it's like a health food. It's got all the major food groups. You know what I'm talking about? That's what I, yeah. Hallelujah. Can I get a witness? I don't know what that means. I heard a black preacher say it one time. I thought it was awesome. There was a time back in the day before my ministry days when I was, I was a battery salesman. I sold all kind of automotive batteries. And, and so I'd be out on the road, and I was in the upstate most of the time. And, and I just so happened, I learned where every pizza inn was. <laughs> and I could get there. I knew how to get there. Let me just say, I knew how to work my schedule so that I could be at almost every single one of them around lunchtime. Now, if I was there at 11, no big deal. I knew that they opened at 11, so I was still in, and I was good. Y'all with me? I love pizza. I eat it three times a week, and I eat as much as I could eat because I'm a good steward of the, stu uh, the resources that God's given me. Some of y'all get that. Some of you don't even know. You're not overeaters. You don't get the way we think. And so, I mean, I would just eat all that I could eat. And you would think, so you wouldn't have to eat the rest of the day? No. No. That was just for the lunch. We had a snack at two. Or so. And it was awesome, but after a while, I know it's hard to believe, I got a little bit pudgy. <clears throat> okay, I was just fat. But I could go in the gym. I thought they were putting steroids in the pizza because I was getting stronger. I mean, I was stronger every day. Woo! I mean, I was the man. But I couldn't bend over and tie my shoes without being out of breath. I gotta be honest, some days I couldn't even find my shoes. Y'all know what I'm talking about? There was a pleasure in it. It just didn't last. So, how do I break a bad habit that, truth be told, come on, I actually like it? Can you say that in church and it'd be right? I mean, it sounds kind of weird to say that, but can you, how do you break a habit? That you actually, if you're just gut level honest, you would say, I like it. I had a guy one time, he said, yeah, I know why I drink. I said, you got to figure out why you drink. He said, I know why I drink. I said, why? He said, because I like it. I said, fair enough. So how do you break a bad habit that you really like? If the habit, if the bad habit looks appealing, then you've got to make it difficult to do. you got to make it difficult to do. Maybe you're trying to eat good, and they bring your favorite donuts into the office. And let me just say, what y'all won't believe is I walked back to the green room this morning, and there's like at least two dozen donuts, boxes of donuts laying. I went, Satan's after me today. I'm just saying, he's after me. But let's say, you know what, you, so you're, you, made a, you made a decision, I'm going to start eating well, I'm, I'm going to give up eating all that junk, I love donuts, I'm not going to eat any donuts. And you walk by and you look at those donuts and you say, through Jesus, 
I've been given the strength and all things are possible. I'm not going to have a donut. And then you walk by a second time and you say, I'm just not a loser donut eater like y'all. Then you walk by that third time and you think, I ain't had a donut in a while. I believe I can have me one donut. Hello. And if you're a Krispy Kreme donut eater like I am, then you know that one is one too many and 12 ain't never enough. If you are in the addiction world, you say, no, 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 you got that wrong. One is one too many, two is never enough. No, you don't know me in donuts. 12 is never enough. Let's look at Solomon's advice. What, what kind of wisdom can we gain from Scripture? I think Solomon really nails it. Proverbs 4, verse 14, verse 14 he says, Do not set foot on the path of the Krispy Kreme. It doesn't say that, but it's on the path of the wicked. Or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Are you, are you getting the picture yet? Turn from it. Hello, are y'all out there? And go your own way. In other words, back away from the donuts. If the donuts are in that room, don't go to the room that the donuts are in. I haven't been back to the green room this morning. Because I'm weak. I got high walking by the donuts. So you got to make it difficult to do. And this is great. This is, I mean, some of y'all, you need to write this down. Some, some of you are struggling with smoking. Write this down. I got it. If you're a smoker, if you're trying to quit and you're really struggling, watch this. You ready? Don't buy any cigarettes. That was awesome, wasn't it? If you, don't, if you ain't got them, you can't smoke them. I'm just saying. So i got to make it difficult. The second thing, and this is really, really powerful, and this is why I love what we do. Man, I love, love what we do. I love the people that we reach. And that's why I got emotional this morning. I, sometimes we'll get to stand over there, and I look out over the people that we reach, and I look, and, and Billy and I were having a conversation, and we and just, wow, look at the people that are here. Look at them. And look at lives that have been radically, radically changed, and, and they've taught me so much. So I got to make it difficult, and then I got to know what triggers what my triggers are. For those of you that don't know anything about recovery, research shows again and again that every habit, every bad habit, starts with a trigger that leads to an action that's followed by the reward. You got it. So the reward is the high, it's the fun, it's the pleasure, it's the dopamine rush, it's the sugar high. There's always something, there's a reward that's associated with that, that thing. So it goes trigger, action, reward. How do we break the habit? You've got to remove the trigger to interrupt the action. So let's talk a little bit about triggers because I think this is really, really important. Let's talk about triggers. We can be triggered into bad habits with all sorts of different things, but studies show that there are five major triggers that generally lead us in the wrong direction. You can be triggered by a place. You can be triggered by a time. You can be triggered by a certain mood. 
you can be triggered by a moment. And then this one is the most fun. And you're just going to love this one. You can be triggered by people. You may be sitting beside that person right now. Don't look. Don't do it. Don't look now like you're the one. I wouldn't be where I'm at now if it weren't for you. <clears throat> so let's talk a little bit about the place. That's probably a, a place where you do your wrong consistently. Uh, if you tend to overeat, don't go to a buffet. Write this stuff down. This is awesome. <clears throat> if you tend to overeat, if I go to, if I, listen, if I walk into a, a, a buffet, I'm just saying I think that I have a God. I can't even bring God up in that. I just, I just try to bring God up in it, and I think I need to be a good steward of the resources that God's blessed me with, and so I need to eat all that I can. Y'all aren't buying it either, I see. Guess what? If you struggle with alcohol, don't go to a bar. Hello? It's just a suggestion. <clears throat> if you struggle, does that mean that everybody that goes to a bar is an alcoholic? No. I'm talking about you that struggles. There's also a time. Uh, David in the Old Testament made a horrible mistake, and we all know about the mistake that he made, right? He, he committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then, and then to top that off, he has her husband murdered. And yet, here's the interesting thing about David. You beat David up if you want to, but it's interesting that the Bible also says that David was a man after God's own heart. See, David actually loved God. He had a heart for God. But David found himself at the wrong place at the wrong time. 2 Samuel 11 says it like this, in the springtime when kings go off to war. So when there's a war, what are kings supposed to do? They're supposed to go off to war. They're supposed to go off to war with their men. But that's not what David did. The end of that verse says that David stayed home. He, he stayed back. He stayed in Jerusalem. And when he did, he found himself out looking onto his neighbor's porch, and he happened to look in and see his neighbor's wife who was bathing. He was at the wrong place at the wrong time. And then there's, there are moods. It took me a long time to figure this out for myself, but I found that it was true. It's true for me. I've learned that if I'm, I'm tired or I'm angry, I'm more susceptible to certain temptations. I just am. Does that make sense to any of you? And believe it or not, sometimes we could have Sunday would be the best days that we ever had in the church, you know? Sunday could be like the, the, most, the greatest spiritual high I had ever experienced. The attendance was out the wazoo. God showed up. Lives were changed. It would be amazing. I could wake up on Monday morning really, really tired. I mean, like, wore out and find myself giving in to temptation, and it took me a while to figure out, wait a minute. There are moods when I'm tired. I'm susceptible. There's moments. It's a moment that triggers you to, to do something wrong. There are just some moments, and you know what they are when you're just more susceptible than others, and you know that. That's a trigger for you. And then... There's the wrong people. In fact, studies show conclusively that the closer you are to someone, the more likely you are to have the same habits as the people that you're close to. 
I love this, and I found this, and I just thought this was awesome. I read one study that tracked 12,000 people over a 32-year period. Have you got that? 12,000 people over a 32-year period. And they concluded that people that, that the people we hang out with often shape the habits that we have. But it doesn't take a study to prove what addicts have known for years. That if you want to stay sober, you got to change your playgrounds and your playmates. <laughs> Don't you ever. Criticize someone who struggles with addiction. Because you got your own junk too. And those that I know, and that's what blew me away this morning, humble men and women that have learned I gotta make some changes. Solomon said this in Proverbs 13, verse 20. He said, walk with the wise and become wise. And then he said it a lot nicer than I would. He said, associate with fools and get in trouble. Seems like you'd say, walk with the wise and become wise. Walk with fools and be a fool. This seems like that would be a really good way to say it, right? So if you're consistently going in the wrong direction, maybe you should consider who's going in the wrong direction with you. You got to remove the triggers. So here's the easy question. Do you like the direction that your habits are taking you in? Let that just rest for a minute. Do you like the direction that your habits are taking you in? Samson took 56,250 steps in the wrong direction. And you can look at it that way, or you can also say he had 56,250 opportunities to change his direction. Any, any place in that story, he could have said, whoa, what am I doing? I've done that. I've literally done that. And I can take you back to the moment. I stumbled through a house one morning I was living with this guy, and I moved out because I couldn't live with my mom and do what I was doing, and the house was a wreck, and I didn't want to go through the nastiness that was there. And I literally got to the kitchen and looked at the nastiness, and I said, I can't, I can't believe I've gone this far. I never intended to go this far. I, I was just going to do this for a while, but I was going to stop. But I didn't. So do you like the direction that you're going in? And if not, what are you going to do about it? What, what are you going to do? And you know what? Even if hearing this message this morning and me trying to put together some things that literally would help you, maybe it would just be awesome if you showed up Thursday night. Because you know what's going to happen. Here's what I promise you is going to happen. You're going to walk into a room of people that totally get where you are. Now, here's the bad thing. You can't BS none of those people. Can, you say, I can, can, can I say that? You can't. You can't. Don't walk in there and give them no bull because they'll look at you and say, I done told that lie. You better come up with something better than that. 
And you're going to have to be real creative because we got a room full of people that were great liars. I don't think I should have said that quite that way either. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. You walk into a room full of people that understand your brokenness and your hurt. If it's addiction, we got somebody that's addicted to it. If it's just a brokenness, a hurt, if it's a habit, if it's something that you've struggled with in your past, if you, if you went through a divorce and you never really got over it, if you were abused as a child and you, never, and you never learned what real love is all about, no matter what your struggle might be, when you walk into that room, there's a group of people that say, we've been there. We'll help you name it. And we'll walk through you to help you figure out those triggers and to find the victory that you need. Are you willing to take that step? And just so you know, we've all sinned. Just so you know. All of us. We've miserably failed God. We came short of his standard of righteousness. But God in his love and his mercy became one of us in the person of his son who was born without sin, who never knew sin, who never understood guilt or shame, but was willing to go to the cross and experience all the guilt and all the shame of every person who's ever lived. Every one of us here, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what sins you struggle with, I want you to know that Jesus felt the shame and the sting of that sin on the cross. And he died to pay the penalty for your sin. Is that not the most incredible thing you've ever heard in all your life? And you know what he wants from you? He wants your money, right? What's God need your money for? Old preacher said, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Some young preacher said, yeah, and he owns the thousand hills that the cattle are on. He doesn't need your money. All he wants is your heart. That's what he wants. He wants you. And you say, but I'm, so, I'm such a mess. I know, but... He's the only one that can turn that mess into something beautiful if you'll let him. If you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd like to be. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed, no one's looking around. <clears throat> if you just say, you know what, Scott, I struggle. I've been trying to do this on my own, and I can't do it on my own. I need forgiveness, real forgiveness. If that's you, and you're willing to just fully surrender your life to Jesus, then maybe you'd pray a prayer or something like this. You'd say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sin. I come to you this morning with all my guilt and all my shame and all my junk. And I just really need to just lay that at your feet. Tell him, say, Jesus, I need you to be my Savior. I want you to be the Lord of my heart. Holy Spirit, fill me right now. Teach me how to walk with you. What a relationship with you is, what it looks like. 
Father, thank you that you allow us to do what we do in a beautiful place that we call Springwell. Lord, honestly, I walked in this walked in this morning, Lord, a little discouraged. That's a lie. I was a lot discouraged. I was overwhelmed, Lord, just overwhelmed. There's so much to do, God, so many impossibilities that are standing right in the way. And Lord, with a couple of loving people to point it out, Lord, and mostly it was the Holy Spirit that you just pointed and was able to see people whose lives have been changed by you. Gosh, I love what we do. And it's hard, Lord, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I love these people. I'm so grateful, Lord, that you allow me to be their pastor. Use us. Use us, Lord. Let us be a church for the broken, for the hurting, for the crushed. Lord, help us to be a a beacon of hope to those that have lost hope. You're awesome. It's in your sweet name we pray. Amen.